You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Mary Sunblad is in the business of stuff. As the founder of Stuff Etc., she turned a consignment store into a growing business that has franchises across the state with plans to expand to other parts of the country here soon. I talked to Mary about following her destiny from odd jobs up and down the Corville Strip to radiology to construction to turning a children's consignment store into a general consignment store and the scaling of that business to what it is today. Mary talks about why the word can't is not in her vocabulary and why change is something she embraces. She says change taught her how to actually listen to customers, which has been a big part of her success. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's Empowered Money Management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat. Um, you have an interesting background. You, 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 uh, you ended up here in Iowa, uh, but you started over, overseas, over, over the Atlantic Ocean in, in Germany and Europe growing up, uh, being, as you, as you said, a, an army brat. Talk a bit about, a bit about your upbringing and um, some of your childhood. Okay, well, I was the only daughter. My parents had eight kids, so I had seven brothers. Um, we were a large Catholic family. Um, we were not exposed to television over there. So we had comic books and I remember putting them in a milk crate and carrying them around, trading them with friends, you know, over there. And that was our exposure to like, you know, television. But really we didn't know and couldn't wait when people would come over from the States, we would just drill them to see what was going on and what's the new fad and just felt deprived but yet every weekend my parents would take us to different castle or historical places just to get all the culture we could while we were over there so right is there is there a memory or trip being in germany that stands out more than others yeah all the time i mean we were a big family and so we had a station wagon and over there there were streets that you couldn't get this American station wagon down. And I can remember watching the Europeans just kind of stare at us, you know, I mean, and all these kids would get out of this station wagon and uh, we would camp always because, you know, Mm -hmm. eight kids, you just don't go to hotels with a tribe like that. So, and it was fun. We would in the economy, we got to see things that maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Sure. So what, as you look back on it now being, obviously a successful business owner, have started your own business with, uh, with stuff, et cetera. Looking back on that childhood, especially with the unique upbringing, uh, living in Europe for an extended period of time, what were some lessons learned that have influenced your philosophy towards business today? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm just not afraid to tackle anything. I mean, everything just looks like an adventure really to me. And so, um, the, the word can't isn't in my vocabulary and uh, it's get her done, you know, yeah. is pretty much the way we look at things and full speed ahead. So um, when people would say, oh, franchising is just going to be so hard, you know, it's a whole different business than your stuff, et cetera, business. And I, it, it intrigued me more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more and always wanting to find out 
more about different things. So it, it's it's been fun. I have enjoyed it along the way. It's a different retail um, that I have been in for 35 years, right. and I just feel blessed. Did you have any experience or dive in anything kind of entrepreneurially as a kid growing up? Were there, you remember, were there any little side you know, hustles you were working oh, on? Lemonade stands? All the time, or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I started out babysitting really young and early mm-hmm. and then just worked my way up and down the Corville Strip doing working at different businesses and uh it was so fun. Uh, you know, each one was different and uh, Which which ones on the strip? I'm an old oh, Corville guy, born and yeah, raised. Okay. I'm sure so my brothers and I worked at the Red Barn. We pretty oh, much yeah, little ran Red Barn. Little That's Red right by Barn. where I grew up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um we would take turns and it was just the four of us would pretty much run that place. And, you know, it's like, are you going to work this weekend? Because I have things going on, you know, that kind of thing. That and awesome. uh, Carousel, we I worked there with Dean Moore. And mm-hmm. um, I have worked, there was a green pepper, you know, that was on the strip. That goes way back. That was Yeah, that might have predated place. my uh, <laughs> my big wheel days. We took the big, we literally grew up two blocks from the big red barn. That's a great oh. Oh we used to go down to get the cinnamon toothpicks, you know, that you'd, yes, that you'd have. And yes. that, that's uh, that's great. So that was kind of your first foray into retail and oh, customer yeah. service. Yeah. I mean, I had to check oil and I had to fill cars with gas. So I was right there with my brothers. Nothing was too hard or looked too daunting for me. <laughs> I would tackle whatever. <laughs> so. And this was back in your high school days? or college? Oh, yeah. yeah. High okay. school. So you... Grew up in Europe. Your your dad was uh, worked with the military. Then he came over here with an ROTC job. Um, went to high school here at Iowa City, Iowa City West High. Um, talk a bit about where you first started kind of finding a love for either starting your own business or retail. or Where, where did you see yourself uh, kind of getting that, that itch for what you're doing now? Was it in some of these jobs with the little red well, barn? Well, yeah, I always enjoyed working. I was never afraid to, and, you know, it's from early on when I was 12, I started working and doing different uh, jobs around town. But um, I uh, was I got accepted into the radiology program here at the university okay. and uh, went through that program and graduated. And my husband at the time owned a construction business and he needed some help. And so... Instead of going back and to do radiology, I helped him with his business and realized um, that this was something I really wanted to explore and do is running my own business. Okay. And um, there was. What was was it about that? Running your own business that you liked? Just the uh, feeling of accomplishment and, um, you know, helping people and being successful in uh, moving, you know, forward with. just jobs and things that you felt accomplished, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of a day yeah. of doing something. Not that you, I wouldn't have in radiology. It was just different. It was your own and you created it. Yeah. So you, you can move the needle a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so there was a store in town. Uh, some women had run a store called the Merry-Go-Round on Riverside Drive. And I would frequent it because I had young children and, I asked the ladies if they would be interested in selling their business, and I must have caught them on a bad day because <laughs> like, they, get me out of here. yeah, they they were very willing to hand over everything. And, um, and the Merry-Go-Round was a consignment business. It was as well. a, a just a children's consignment store, okay. and so we changed the name, moved the location, and did things differently, but. M- mainly bought their uh, database, you know, their mm-hmm. clients and the consigners. So took that and ran with it and started small because my husband didn't 
feel like people really wanted other people's things. You know, it wasn't recycle wasn't a big thing at that time, right? Um, as it is now, or it's very accepted now, and everybody's into mm-hmm. recycling and resale, renew, reuse the concept. So, um, started small, and within six months, he realized that it, we had something, something was going here. on here, yeah. yeah. And it was a good thing, and he built me a building, and we continually outgrew the building he built and moved, you know, from 3,000 square foot to 10,000. So So take me back to you went into the merry-go-round, and there was that conversation, but I'm assuming there was something that you had as all good entrepreneurs are good observers, right? You're in the market. You understand the community. Talk a bit about the logic uh, that went into observing this business opportunity. I'm assuming it wasn't just going in with a check and buying it. You, you had a, you've yeah, seen something that was happening here. Um, you saw it as an opportunity. Well, it just started with the conversation, you know, and asking, I could tell that there were some struggles there and um, it intrigued me with uh, the business model and how, you know, you don't really pay until the things sell. Mm-hmm. So you're not putting out money in the beginning. And I thought, you know, this could be, um, a good investment and also um, a need. There Mm -hmm. was a need there. You could just see they had so much inventory and not knowing how to process it or get it out there fast enough. So just different things like that intrigued me. And I thought I can take this, I can tweak it and I think I can make something out of it. So sure. In those early days of stuff, et cetera, what were some of those tweaks that you made to that, that business Uh. model? I know you, oh, you probably made thousands of them well, over the last Well, for one, in 1985, years. there weren't, you know, cell phones weren't like they are now. There yeah. was a big box that you left in your car. And uh, so technology has come a long way. Right. And we started off where we didn't have computers. So right away after the second year, uh, we realized that I was doing too much stuff with my writing down on paper and stuff and needed a computer, barcode scanning, mm-hmm. you know, just to make everything so much simpler so um and over the years we've hired a processing engineer to actually watch the process oh, wow. of the intake and uh getting it on the floor and being more efficient not touching it too much so it's just a cost to that you know everything's so labor intensive with this business that you just need to yeah so modifying streamline. that that technology that comes in and, and streamlining it yeah what, yeah what were take us through the the arc of that were there other kind of big moments in the in the, the evolution of stuff, et cetera, you feel like, okay, now we're really being able to process this quicker or? It, the Well, once we went from one location to two, we realized at that point I couldn't be everywhere all the time. Yeah, and so we had you, right? yeah. put in um, some processes mm-hmm. and some procedures and manuals for the staff, you know, that said this is, this is how we're going to run this business. This is what it's going to look like. Right. And um, at that time, believe it or not, even though I had more business, it was just a load lifted off of me because it was like there were procedures and processes in place that, that helped you scale. That, yeah, yeah, then right. I could go and do other. I could go and grow the business mm-hmm. and freed um, your time up. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming in your business there's some characters, right? These these consigners, and, oh, and, yeah. and every business you've got a uh, <laughs> there's there's all, Colorful. all yeah your customers your <laughs> your business partners, whatever that might look like. Um, talk a bit about how you approach that part of the business, the, the people side of it, both on your customers and then the consigners and, that, and on that end. What's That's your- been a process, yes. Um, over the years, I've learned 
less talk is better. And so okay. you just listen. Yeah. And the customer's always right. I right. mean, and that's the bottom line, down to the bottom. So you're always just looking how to make them happy so they can leave happy. And at the end of the day, everything's all good. Uh, you don't, you're not around for 35 years without having integrity. And, you know, everything has to be run just right. Yeah. And everybody's always watching you. Do you have a favorite longtime consigner? Someone that's been... Consigning oh, with you. For, I have people. Yes, I or we story have story about one of there's them. There's so many. I can't say yeah, just one. It's like kids. Uh, you can't have a favorite, right? Yeah, yeah. No. And every store too. Uh, they'll bring in chocolate to the girls, you know, because they know how to work their way <laughs> in, you know. Yeah. And the girls always say chocolate wins. And um, if they want something, right, that they know how to get at the gals. But each store has like four to eight pricers who are constantly entering stuff because the inventory just needs to keep going out on the floor sure so so there's is there an art to the negotiation then between the consigner talk talk me through that process how does that work i bring in a a bag of stuff like you can't love your stuff anymore you got to have this letting go you know that happens (laughs) therapy involved yeah as you walk in the door that's got that process has got to start and um there is a fine art of asking them what they feel that you know the item's worth or what they want to get out of it and then what we can price it for so there's a way of making the consigner happy and the customer um everybody the customer has to want to be able to say you know this is a deal i'm going to buy this and the consigner's got to be happy at the end of the day with the price that's put on it so we're we're trying to satisfy two different people here yeah so what um i'm curious has there been like a not a favorite item but maybe a, a more memorable Item is a bit like the the all star list of stuff that stuff etc has ever sold. Is there there has is there been thing that, that comes to mind? I tell you, I have customers who come up to me and say, "I purchased this signed and dated uh, artwork in your store and made thousands." You know, and I'll say, "Awesome," <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, because a, that keeps the them coming back for the hunt. Yeah, you know, and then I'm thinking. Wow, wonder what it was. <laughs> that was so great. Yeah. You know that we may have missed. We do. Thank you for thank goodness for Google because that helps. We can Google pretty much anything anymore right, and check a, on it to see yeah. what something sells your for price out there. Can be, yeah. Or like you're holding something going, what in the world is this? You know, and just to put <laughs> usually there's something stamped on it that you can Google it and it, it'll yeah. bring up what Back in the day, we didn't have that, and it was just a crapshoot. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I have no idea. And you're hoping that the consigner will give you enough information so you can price it and get it out there. So, yeah, we are uh, like the super Walmart, though, of consignment. We're not like an antique store where we, we move it, move it, move it, because sure. that's inventory can't sit. Everything's right. dated, and um, it, it goes on a markdown process, you know, so okay. um, and that's all caked into the timing of how long yeah. it sits on the floor. And interesting. Yeah. Um, so you've had obviously a lot of evolution with you guys have grown. You've got more locations now than from when you started. You've got new technology that helps you with the processes. Where do you see or want the business to be 10 or 15 years from now? If, as, you, as you look ahead into the future, what, what are some of the goals that you guys have? Well, our goal, being that we franchise, our goal is, like I said earlier, to get out of the state and to franchise in some of the other states. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had someone recently visit us from Memphis, Tennessee, wanting one down there. So our goal is to be able to take this and open it down there and um, get it up and running and be successful in different states. So right now we've been very successful in Iowa and 
the goal is to move out of the state and expand and expand. Yeah. There's so many people that come here with the university and leave and call us and say, I really want one of these where I'm living right now. How do we do that? And that's what started the whole franchising process in mm-hmm. the beginning. And so yeah. that it's just getting that next step, you know, set so that we can do that and expand. Sure. It. Get that platform established yeah. and get ready to expand. Now, as you look backwards through the course of your career as a business owner of stuff, et cetera, could you pinpoint sort of one big turning point or moment? Was there something you said, I think I got something really amazing on my hands here? Well, we brought in a team just to study the whole process to make sure that we had something that was franchisable. So um, that was a team of sort of franchise from Francorp in Illinois. They came over and studied the business model Hmm. and said, yes, you have something here. Um, There is a company called Winmark who does like Plato's Closets and all of that, but they specialize in different areas, whereas we're like one store, Super Walmart, that carries everything and does everything. So we were almost too big for their model. So um, Francorp, then we went over there and franchised. And at that time, we realized when we were going through the franchising process, we needed a corporate office. Yeah. We needed a marketing director. We needed an HR person. We needed an accountant. We mm-hmm. needed a franchise VP that was going to go out and sell the franchises. So that was a huge turning point for us. Um, we remod- did some remodeling at Corville and set up this corporate office. And... Um, it was like, oh, okay, I hope we can afford to pay for all the staff. Right. <laughs> so, and, you know, it, it was a huge leap of faith. Yeah. And, and you say that kind of giggling, but that any business owner, entrepreneur, that's a that's a big challenge, right, is, is accepting that risk. And then it, it comes a certain point in time when you can dot your I's and cross your T's as much as you can, and you got to step up to the cliff and take that jump. What is it about you personally that – that, when to that allows set, you to do that. or when to hire that next person you yeah. know it's like okay we have 400 employees we definitely need a hr specialist <laughs> here so um and it was just taxing all the other people mm-hmm. you know so they we knew at that point we needed now this regional development team you know that's going to go out of the state that that's going to be a process we're going to go and observe you know, Panchero maybe, or someone who's done it and has sure. done it well and see right. what the next step would be. Has that always been part of your makeup as a person, someone that's accepted risk well and has been not not afraid and fearless of, oh, of yeah. that kind of growth? Like, that, that's, don't think twice about yes. it? Or I've had some... people say to me, you truly are an entrepreneur because I just am always looking forward. And, you know, if we make a mistake, I'm like, oh, well, you know, okay, we learned from that. Yeah. Let's move on. So I'm not one to sit and dwell on anything that, you know, might have been a, a something that maybe, you know, we should have said, oh, okay, well, that didn't work, so let's just move on. Right. What do you see, again, looking forward, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges for the business going into the future? Well, everything's online now. So it's been real interesting to watch that, you know, and, and watch some of our other um, – we belong to a national organization, and um, there are they've taken some of their items and put them online and tried that market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have so many items in our store, and there are a lot of them are just one of an item. So, you know, the whole process seems very daunting to us, and we're like, I'm not sure the online business is for us. Uh, we have done a lot of selling for Amazon, you know, their returns right. and things like that. We've been blessed with being able to have that inventory come through um, <laughs> to us. But we're hoping that people still continue to like to come into 
a store and shop instead yeah. of doing everything online. Part so. of that experience you mentioned the hunt and finding Correct. something and I mean that's got to be a big component yeah. of, the, of the well this, lure. Yeah, this new generation coming up, they're they are all about online, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. How the consignment business works for them. And you, you have an interest. You sit in an interesting position and have an interesting perspective, sort of on society and consumer habits and buying things and, and having stuff. I'm curious to get your opinion on, you know, do you think as Americans and, and consumers, I mean, do you think that people have too much stuff? Is it uh, what's what's your thought on that? You know, we've never had a problem getting stuff. I mean, and the consumer out there really likes to shop, even though there is the minimalist theory, you know, going yeah. on. I don't know. I haven't Small home, and you're yeah, not seeing that yet. I haven't seen it yet, but <laughs> It looks goodness. cool on Instagram or, or Facebook, right? <laughs> well, it would hurt us if that concept got <laughs> around too well. So yeah. we, uh, we really depend on the shopper So right, um, and appreciate it. So do you think there's if you were to go back again, we're kind of doing the back and forward here as you look forward in your business and back through your career. If you were to have changed something, if, was there a mistake or if you could take a mulligan um, with as you've grown the stuff business, what, what would that have been? Oh, um, I don't you know, I don't know. Um, the we started off just doing kids and maternity and um the process of going to that next step maybe took a little bit more, took a little longer than I would have liked, okay. you know? So just that process, um, just because I couldn't get out from under to see how, what that was going to look like. Yeah, you just get started getting get your legs there. underneath you. Yeah. So just happened to, um, someone, I was at a meeting or something and someone said, you need to surround yourself with people who are knowledgeable and know and see and can help you with getting to that next step. So I, I started getting more involved and in, uh, pulling myself away from the business and attending some entrepreneur things that really helped at Papa John, just going there and mm -hmm. um, gleaning some of the stuff that they would have available. Um, Professional development. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and also with uh, Chamber downtown, mm -hmm. you know, and the different – lunch and learn things they yeah. have i've really if there's something that even looks remotely you know like it would help our business i go and send whoever yeah. or at least one of us would go and get something out of it we always get something too out of our national conferences even though we always get asked to lead some of the um different lectures i say to the girls it never we never come away feeling oh that was a waste of time we always learn something so yeah it's it's obviously too early to start talking about legacy for someone like yourself, but you're obviously leaving an amazing one behind with an incredibly successful business. But, you know, whenever that day comes when you've completely, you know, the succession plan, you know, works to perfection and you're out of the business, how do you, if someone were to list your kind of your top three attributes, you know, what, what contributed about you personally as a business owner, entrepreneur, what was it about that you want people to remember you as in terms of an entrepreneur? Well, what were your characteristics personally? I was working at one of my stores the other day, and I was actually working right next to one of the employees. And she goes, you know, this is what I like about this business is that the actual corporate team comes and works right beside the employees and gets right in there and gets down and helps do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's she just gave us a really nice compliment. And I don't think she really realized it. 
Uh, but, you know, it's like we're not afraid to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, if the bathrooms need clean today, then that's what we're going to do if we're at a store. And we travel to all our stores and, you know, look to see how they're doing and what might need to be done. And um, just Roll your sleeves up and, yeah, or, do all yeah, of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting in there and working with the team and doing whatever we need to do to help make them successful. Yeah, that's a great that's a great lesson and obviously – uh, an amazing success story born mm. in the corridor here and it'll be fun to watch it hopefully grow throughout the country as you guys oh, work, on I hope the, so. work on that franchise model um, we like to end all these conversations with just uh, a couple quick rapid fire questions um, how much of your success over your professional career would you contribute to luck versus hard work oh it's been hard work <laughs> there's not been like much it. luck involved <laughs> here uh and really uh the hard work and just being blessed by the hard work Mm -hmm. um, and just being well received by the community and listening to them. You know, when people come in and say, you know what might help? And, you know, you just need to step back and listen and then do it. Move forward with some of the suggestions that because people, I don't have all the answers. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, especially in this town, who have been around? No shortage of opinions. Know. Oh here my gosh, no. <laughs> the corridor region is there. No, I would say that that's something that that just from the outsider looking in that I admire about your guys' business is that you have been really. That's a, a I think a hallmark of most successful businesses is that ability to be receptive and to be a really good listener and what is what is what does my customer want and then being able to implement that into your business model, right? So I think. Oh, you yeah. have to constantly be changing. Yeah. You know. Um, Based on the customer's needs and demands. Exactly. And, yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, if given the chance and you were to go all the way back to your days working at the Little Red Barn and you, you weren't <laughs> going to be an x-ray uh, technician or you weren't going to be a, you know, a business owner with stuff, et cetera, is there another profession that you would have liked to have had attempted? Um, I hope that when I step back from this business that I can spend more time um, going overseas and doing more mission work and helping other people over and countries third world countries maybe starting their businesses i've been involved with um that's awesome different people in our church who have done that and thought oh i really i don't have the time right now but i i can't wait and look forward to that day where i can have time and go and do that and that's great share some of the stuff that i've learned mm-hmm. over the years has there been uh, a mentor or someone you've looked up to in the business community that's been really instrumental in your success uh. I'm surrounded by mentors. Um, I have a brother, Mark Collins, who is a senior executive with Procter & Gamble, who shares every week something with me that, you know, he's gleaned. He goes internationally. Sure. And he'll say, hey, I've, this, I've seen this or done that. My husband's been in business in the auto auction for 30 years, so he's always telling me, open the lid on the box, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, I get this every day. Right. And then John Lohman here at the mm-hmm. Corridor Business Center, I, we were one of the fastest growing companies, and I belong to a group of leaders who we meet once a month, and that That's has great. been huge. We are able to, in a closed room, and it stays in the room, mm-hmm. share things that maybe we're struggling with that... Right we're able to solve or figure out how to move forward with mm-hmm. it. And uh, I've learned a lot. It's all men. I wish there <laughs> were at least one or two women who are involved in that John group. To work on that. That's I good. know, I keep telling him that. Uh, but it's been a great group. And John has been really instrumental in bringing key um, people in right. to speak to us. And 
And there's so much value to getting outside of your industry as well. Which oh, yeah. you, might, you, you kind of get down that rabbit hole where you're... It took me a little bit to learn that. I mean, I had to pull away from the business. and uh, But, you know, that is huge. Mm-hmm. So I was reading one of John Maxwell's books on how successful people think. And um, he goes in great detail at telling how you need to just have a quiet time. Right. You need to get away and think and uh, process, you know, okay, I have this dream. How do I make this dream real? And take it to the next level. Yeah. And um, someone, we were talking about that the other day. Uh, someone had a great way of looking at that, pausing before you proceed. Yes. <laughs> I think so, so often today that we just kind of, we rush into a meeting, yeah. we rush into whatever it is, and just that, that minute of quiet time and that pause. Well, and, and that's then, and just then the feel out there anyway in the it's, it's a nonstop. business world. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just like trying to keep up. So, yeah. That's great. Um, how about not business related, but is there a podcast or TV show or that you're oh that you're into love, these days yes how how i built this yeah that's great i love a stitch fix you know her uh-huh. story and uh patagonia story yeah. and yeah we're big on podcasts that's and great. listening to and i always love to listen to how other people um the origin out. story yeah yes, yeah yes that's great um how about a motivational quote is there something if you were to put one thing up for all your staff to see at the at, at the business or at home well um, that's interesting because in each one of our rooms in our corporate office i put a vinyl wall saying uh that different leaders have quoted and you know like john quincy adam mm-hmm. and uh simon sinek sinek yeah. yes um and john maxwell's too um a leader is the one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way, you know. So, and different quotes like that yeah. are in each room that, you know, different, my different corporate team look at every day. That goes back to your your story about the customer saying how impressed they were with you guys rolling <laughs> up your sleeves and doing all that work. That's great. Yeah. Um, obviously, as a small business, or not small, but as a, as a business owner, you've, your, your day is packed full with a variety of different things and, and at home too. But if you had 30 extra minutes that was gifted to you in each day, what would mm. you do with it? Read. <laughs> <laughs> Good, find some more of that I quiet time. I have a stack yeah. of books, yeah. I know, I, I'm the same I, way. And I belong to a book club, and so <laughs> it's like I either get the audio usually end up so right. that I can listen to it when we're traveling to one of our stores, but um, mm-hmm. I like it because it forces me to read books that I normally wouldn't read, you know, right. so the book club helps with that. Um, Where the Crawdads Sing right now is one of the books that we're reading, and it's it's interesting. So it stretches me. <laughs> sure. And you, you mentioned the John Maxwell and a few other books. Is there one that that's been, is you know, top of that stack right now or one that you've just finished or that you're listening oh, to? Or? I love the Walmart story, the Sam Walton, you know, okay. I, he was an interesting fellow. And so I just like, again, in the Disney story, I like reading those type of books that yeah. tell how, how they, it started and, yep, yeah. and how they achieve their success. So. Um, and then just finally, in one sentence, how would you define success? Success is believing you can. Yeah, there's obviously been a lot of that and, and your guys' growth and your story as well. So thank you so much, Mary, for yeah. taking the time. And yeah. it's been a, been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 